Today, we have the honor of being joined by Cassie Riddick. Three years ago, Cassie's life changed in a bigger way than she could have ever imagined, and now she's paralyzed. But through this, she's turned the biggest trial in her life to the biggest triumph by maintaining a positive attitude and making a better life for herself, being a student at the University of Arkansas and being in the wheelchair Olympics. And she's made a better life for so many other people that interact with her because of her positive attitude and in different ways that she's been able to help others through losing her legs and losing some people closest to her along the way as well. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I have. Welcome to the Rise Above Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Adams. And I'm your host, Will Lambley. We, uh, this is our first time together, me and Will's first time yeah, together seems since. Like in ages. In ages. And we are joined today by Miss Cassie. Thank you for coming on, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're, we're excited and uh, glad to, you know, be a full room again. <laughs> it's always better when you have the whole squad. <laughs> Yeah, and it's cool how um, how I heard about Cassie actually from one of my professors, Professor Brady, who Cassie had last semester, and you said you actually met her in person. Uh, was it a few months ago? Or? I did back in April. It was really awesome because I actually won an award in the communications department over at Fulbright, and I got to meet her in person, which was super awesome after having her all semester online. So it was great. <laughs> yeah, finally able to put a, put a face with with a name. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There was there. I, I remember even in high school. I had some some of those college professors. I still want to meet in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of those people are awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, I don't really put faces with the names. I kind of just have to. I, I don't know the voices though. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Where did you grow up at, Cassie? So I actually grew up in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Okay. Mm. Nice. That's neat. What's it like living out there? Well, you know, it's actually pretty nice now that we finally got an IHOP. No. You know, there for a while. Hey, like, man, I, was... I ate there for breakfast <laughs> this morning. Yes, ma'am. But, you know, it's it's really nice. It's a rural community. It's, you know, it's um, not too far from Fayetteville, but it's just far enough where it's still a pretty rural community, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, it's kind of like that route to Tulsa. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I grew up, cool up we, we would always go through Siloam on my way to Fayetteville. I, was, like, I grew, up, grew up living in Tulsa, but... We were coming to Razorback games pretty much every weekend, so I always remember going going through Siloam. And then uh, gr growing up, uh, what were some things you were interested in? Oh, wow. So um, I used to play a lot of sports. I did a lot of track, and I played softball, and I used to love art, painting. But one of my favorite things, I still do it today, is music. And I actually um, played in, like, a little rock band. I played the electric guitar, and I played the piano keyboard. So that's kind of one of my passions, music. That's neat. We share that. I, I actually I didn't know that about you. I was while we were waiting on you. I was in there in the other room playing the piano. Oh, that was you jamming. <laughs> you probably heard him when you walked in. Oh, right? did you? I love that. We'll we'll have to have a jam session. We do soon. that. That's always the best too. When like two musicians like randomly get together and have a jam session. That's oh yeah, the best. Sure. That's cool. How uh, you, you're interested in sports and music because most people grow up in just one or the other. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So definitely able to open up many different parts of the brain. Yeah. I feel like music was really healing for me too, like especially after everything that's happened. Um, 
it was one of the things where I was like, well, you know, if I can't run and jump and do all those things, like at least with music, I can still like use my voice and, you know, play my instrument. And it gives me like that healing factor. I really think music's healing. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's a special thing about music for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So I always grew up going to church more so because my mom forced me to go. One (laughs) of the things I hated was VBS because of music. But when I started losing my sight, one of the biggest things that helped me was music. Yeah. So, oh, so many songs, as I'm sure you can testify to. Um, it's just so peaceful and like words of songs really can speak to you. Mm-hmm. When I think of VBS, I think of that song, Father Abraham, where it had <laughs> the movement. <laughs> that was the best. I mean, you just end up doing like a whole hokey pokey thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was the best. And like, did you guys do like uh, the Pharaoh Pharaoh? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's a good one. This little light of mine or yeah. something like that. VBS, it's just, it's full of memories. <laughs> Takes yeah. me back. Oh, yeah, yeah. So gr- growing up in Siloam, uh, what what schools did you grow up, go to? Well, I went to a few. So um, there was actually a little school called Concord that I went to, like, my freshman and sophomore year. And then Siloam at one time had a, um, it actually had a private school <laughs> called Trinity Christian Academy. It's no longer there anymore, but um, that's where I graduated from, so. Still, still living that small town life out there. <laughs> how, how many people did you graduate with? Um, not very many. I would say probably like 52. Okay. So yeah. it's pretty small. That's about, yeah, that's that's about, about the same as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah same as me yeah. and Will. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I went to a small Christian We're all twins. school in uh, Tulsa. And oh, then. man. We all have a lot in common already. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um, so digging in, like, uh, with with what happened, I have I actually have not heard your story yet. So I am very intrigued to know. Um, how you got to where you're at today. Okay, yeah, I'd I'd love to tell you. So basically, um, I grew up able-bodied, you know, like I said, I played sports and everything like that. And um, I'm I'm a single mom. I have a daughter, um, Natalie, and um, I had another daughter, her name was Violet. But about three years ago, I was involved in a really bad car accident. We were passengers and a crazy story. We were coming back from Branson and we were on vacation and we were passengers in a car. And I don't know if you're familiar at all with like Branson area or like Huntsville, Mm -hmm. Alpena, but it's a pretty much a two lane highway. You know, there's nothing out there, but anyway, um, we were hit and in a, we were involved in a three-car pileup and my car was in the middle. Mm. And so basically I was trapped in the car and um, they didn't know I was in there for like six hours. Really? Yeah, so I, it was pitch black and in the dark and um, it, it, was, it was a sad situation. My, my oldest daughter, Natalie, she, she was eight at the time, she survived and then, um, but my youngest daughter, Violet, was six. And um, she did not. She she had a concussion, and I guess they put her in in the helicopter or the you know life flight, and um, she went to sleep and didn't wake up. But before she went to sleep, she said, "Tell my mom I want to go be with the butterflies." And they said she just went to sleep and didn't wake up. So that was really tough Um, for me. I spent about eight weeks in a coma. Um, they told me when I woke up, I was on a ventilator and they were like, well, you'll never talk or walk again. And you're probably going to be brain dead. Like that's what they told my parents. They actually told my parents to prepare for my burial Mm. and they gave me 1% chance of survival. Mm. But, um, I overcame all those odds and I survived. And then going back to Violet's story, 
we actually got a call while I was in the hospital, and um, Violet was a match for another little girl in St. Louis who was in need of a heart transplant, and we donated her heart, her eyes, and her tendons, so she actually saved three lives. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, I, you know, I, th- I take that negative situation and spin it positively like other lives were saved. And then me and Natalie, Natalie's 11 now. Um, she's doing really good. And then for me, I've really turned my tragedy into triumph. So now I'm a disabled advocate, and I go and I try to really, um, you know, tell everyone about my story and how you can overcome but like I said, I used music a lot as healing. And then um, this past year, what I've been doing is, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Obviously, everyone's heard of Miss Arkansas. But there was something called Miss Arkansas Wheelchair, which is for women with disabilities or women in wheelchairs. And I had never been in a pageant, never thought I would do that kind of thing. It wasn't for me. Um, and then when I went back to school, everyone encouraged me to try out. So I went and tried out, and I ended up winning the state competition down in Little Rock, which was crazy because I had never done that before. Um, with that came a lot, um, a lot more, you know, speaking gigs, getting to tell my story, getting out there, just sharing, you know, what I'd been going through. And then in September, I went to the national competition in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and for the first time, I actually, for Arkansas, I placed in the top five. So. Talk about overcoming. (laughs) So that's a little bit about my story. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. How old were you whenever uh, this happened? So I had just had my 31st birthday. So I had lived 30 years one way, and then my 31st birthday, boom, and then this happened. So it was definitely a life-changing situation. But yeah, obviously, like. Don't wish this happened, but I think the amazing thing is is how you've used this not to be a setback in your life, but a setup to help others. Oh, Just like your, your your daughter right there, like the the lives that she was able to help, and like now how you're able to um, impact lives. Like for me, uh, ever since I lost my sight, something I tell people is I can't see what people look like, but what I can tell is the type of effect people have on others by just mm-hmm. when they enter a room and just when you enter the room, like just your positive attitude, that's, that's get contagious and something that no one can ever take away from you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's just such a pleasure to be here to get to share the story. And, you know, I, I felt like I was given a second chance at life and I really wanted to prove to myself and to others, like if you have a positive attitude and you work towards your goals, like you still can accomplish them no matter how you do that. So, what, what have been some of the biggest challenges as you've uh, adapted to this new new way of life the past couple of years? Oh man, let me tell you what. Okay, so first of all, the, <laughs> the accessible parking spot. So you know, I I know this sounds bad, but I'm sure there's been a time in my life when I you know either parked too close to someone or pulled in for five seconds. Let me tell you, when you're in a wheelchair, you really need that accessible spot trying to get in that door. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've been late or something's happened because I can't get out of the car. Mm. So just be aware of that when you're like, you know, looking at accessible parking and um, things like that and spatial awareness. Like there's been times when I haven't been able to get my wheelchair in a door, like to even go to the bathroom or like try to get somewhere. You know, it's it's definitely been a challenge trying to navigate that. But you know what? We'll we'll get through it. Right. Right. (laughs) So is it like, but you're, you're still driving now? 
So I actually, I'm, I'm not driving yet. Um, my accident's been about three years ago, so I'm still kind of in recovery. But I'm hoping I have, I'm hoping I can get some hand controls so I can drive again. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's crazy how like how they make that so accessible. Yeah. For people and like. Even like this is this is a completely separate thing, but like colorblind people, they have glasses, so yeah. you can drive with them. And oh, like, that's cool! That's, I didn't know it, that. It's so neat how how far we've come, like technologically. Um, you had brought up goals earlier. What are some of the goals you have set for for the future? Well, obviously, I want to finish, you know, my degree here at U of A, my bachelor's degree in communications. But one of my biggest goals is I really want to get into the law school mm. because I want to be a civil rights attorney, um, especially fighting for disability rights, because that's one of the things that's changed my life a lot is I did not realize, like, how different of a world it is out there when you're having to fight for accessibility and inclusivity and, you know, those type of things. So. That's awesome. That's one of my goals. I've always said if I wasn't a pilot, I'd be a lawyer. <laughs> oh, man. I'd rather be a pilot, I think. <laughs> one of the most interesting things um, about your story to me when I was talking to one of my professors about you is um, how after, isn't it after the wreck that you decided that I'm, I'm going to go to college? Yeah. So, when did you decide that? So it was really interesting because I had went to NWAC, um, Northwest Arkansas Community College, and I was like one credit away from getting my two-year degree. And so, you know, after I got the diagnosis at the hospital and I was bedbound for six months, you know, I never thought I would be able to ever go back to school. So not only did I want to go back to school, but I decided I'm going to go and apply for the U of A. And people are like, wait you've been out of the hospital like I was literally out of the hospital a month and they're like you're gonna go back to school like are you crazy and I'm like no I'm I'm gonna do it this is what I'm gonna do and so I applied and I thought it was gonna be a waiting list type situation they called me within the week and I started like the next like that fall the very next week like I was pretty much a late start because I had got out of the hospital and went right to it but you know what? It was the best decision of my life, and it's really changed me and um, helped me, like, set more goals and make friends and just get back out there and, you know, get back on the horse, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And that reminds me of one, one of my favorite quotes is actually from a guy who ran track Arkansas with no legs. He said that in life, no matter your situation, you can still do everything you want, but you just have to find a different way. Yeah. And has there been some ways you've had to apply that? Oh, definitely. Like, first of all, navigating campus is not an easy feat, especially that like... Is, is we <laughs> have a hilly, hilly, hilly campus. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll never forget one of my first classes. It was like raining and I, I was still navigating the wheelchair. I'm pretty sure I rolled all the way back down to the parking lot and I'm like, okay, I got to try that again. I was like 45 Whoa. minutes late for class, but you know what? I got there. So Was <laughs> that like horrifying rolling back? It was oh pretty gosh. scary because yeah. like it wasn't like... These hills are not small, like, yeah, let's be honest. Nope. <laughs> so, you know, but luckily there was, you know, some nice people in the parking lot that kind of helped me get over the hump. But, you know, like I said, accessibility is a big thing because if you can't get the wheelchair, you're just going to, you're just kind of stuck. So mm. that's been a challenge, but getting through it. <laughs> and how exactly do you use your wheelchair? So I have a manual wheelchair. Um, I'd love to get a power chair, or they have one that has smart drive, which is mm. really awesome. Oh, that, that sounds sweet. <laughs> oh, it's really cool because it's you can either use a manual or have, like, the um, smart drive, which is like a – I kind of think it looks like a go-kart, which is kind of cool. But 
Um, so basically I have to use my arms and, um, I have a lot of core and abdominal trauma from my accident. So it's, it was hard for me to try to maneuver it, but now I've gotten some strength built up. So a lot of it is upper body and arm strength and it takes a lot. Yeah. Probably get probably a lot stronger upper body than you ever thought you'd be. I was going to say, she's probably stronger than me upper body. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I could, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I thought about trying out for like boxing. Do they have have wheelchair boxing? Cause that'd be so cool. You know, (laughs) I would tune in for every fight. That'd be be cool. (laughs) Team Cassie. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Oh man. And I I know for me, whenever I uh, started going blind a few years ago, it took me a while to, like have the realization that I'm blind. Now I got to figure out how I'm gonna live. What was there a, a time period where it took you to re- realize like what happened, and then you decided, okay, now I'm gonna move forward. Oh yeah. I, at first, I don't feel like it really sunk into me for a while because you know at first I really didn't. They really didn't expect me to live. I don't think that anybody really expected me to pull through. And it's like now that I have, it's like what now? What yeah. what do I do now? What was really hard is when I first got home, a lot of things changed. Um, I feel like people were kind of afraid to ask or to be like, hey, you know, like, are are you still the same person? Like, how can I help? What can I do? You know, people, it's an uncomfortable situation. It's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for them. But all you have to do is ask and, you know, ask how they can help. And I think that was really, really the key thing. Yeah. You know. So that's really helped me a lot is just being bold and having the courage to say, hey, this is how you can help. And, you know, this is how I can help you, too. It's crazy because I can relate the same way Wait, ever since I lost my sight. Because I feel like people at first like were like, scared. But like, when people actually genuinely go out of their way and care about you, it means so much. Oh, you know? Absolutely. It's nice to be able to sit here and talk with you today, too, because you understand, you know, and not that other people don't, but when you've been through something <laughs> yeah. where you lose, like, your mobility or your sight or whatever you've been through, you just really have to face it head on. And that's all I could really say, yeah. you know. I bet there was one person. I'm willing to make this a bet. I want to know, did you have a physical therapist? <laughs> I did, and his name was Mike. And you know what he said to me the first time we met? What? He's like, get off your butt and do something. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, maybe <laughs> but he was great. maybe he was not. Great. So, okay, but n- he didn't treat you like you know. Are you the same person? All that and whatnot. No, he was like just a really fun guy, yeah. but he treated me normal. Like yes. just before my accident. That's what yes. I'm saying. Like get off your butt yeah. and do something. It was his joke. Right. He loved that. But what it made me do was motivate me to try harder and right. push myself. You know. Yes, and the reason I brought that up is because my mom is a physical therapist. Oh, that's awesome. And so she mostly deals with kids, but I mean, she will do some adults older. You know, the elders and whatnot. But I have seen her around um, uh, uh, um, autism and uh, I forget what the other disorders are called, but you know, all sorts of different diseases that child or kids are born with. And to see how she interacts with them, like there's nothing different, yeah. it's, a, it's a superpower. And it's not one that I, I don't think anybody else in our family has, but it has been cool to see that. That's um, really awesome. So and it's, it's a special gift to be able to relate to someone, especially in that type of position, because like I said, with the physical therapist I had, Mike, he was 
very down to earth, but what I loved is he didn't treat me any differently. Mm -hmm. He still motivated me and pushed me. And, you know, to this day, like we still keep in contact and he's like, you at home doing those exercises, (laughs) you doing something today. (laughs) But he was one of the people that actually encouraged me to try out for the competition. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you should try out for this. And I was like, I don't know, you know, he's like, no, you, you can do it. And that's what I really loved about him. And I'm sure like with your mom and stuff, it's, it's probably, pretty much the same I'm sure with her patients but I guess I call them patients I'm not sure like yeah, I don't know how that works makes <laughs> sense, <but> everybody <laughs> is in the medical field in my family except for me and my father <laughs> we both do transportation <laughs> it all works out though yeah, it all works out <laughs> that's really cool yep and uh d- during uh all the past three years um what what, what are some ways that uh, you've been able to see see like people around you help whether it's your daughter or um, anyone in your life oh wow my daughter she's so amazing and she has such a kind and caring heart like she has a, a friend at school that's in a wheelchair as well and one day she came home and she asked me she's like mom how can I help you and and help my friend like what can I do the best advice I could give her is just I say you know what just ask how you can help and just be a friend. That's what everybody wants, mm-hmm. regardless. Just be mm-hmm. a friend and, you know, be there and be comforting and, um, you know, talk about it. I think that's one of the things that really helped me is just talking about the situation because, I mean, I know it's not going to bring back – I'm not going to be able to do cartwheels anytime mm-hmm. soon, but, you know what, it, it really helps me feel like, hey, I accomplished something today. You know, and communication is a big part of getting over any kind of obstacle or disability, I feel like. Exactly. When, yeah, when there's lack of communication in life, it's more than often filled with negativity. Yeah. Because whenever you communicate, it solves so many problems. Oh, yes. And uh, like I was telling you before we came on, um, you know, whenever, whenever I start losing my sight, like, one of the biggest things that aggravated me is people that would be like, oh, it's the blind guy. Or Aww. people that put, put those labels. Not, not in a bad way or anything, but, uh, uh, and I'm sure for you, it was, like, people that looked at you, like, a certain way. But what, what I've realized is, like, the only people in life that I've met that are truly disabled is people that have a bad attitude. Yeah. Because whenever your attitude, you have a positive attitude, it really, like, helps you first off. There's so many people that interact you daily, mm-hmm. interact with you daily. And how are some ways that uh, you've been able to like maintain a positive attitude? Oh man. Well, every day I, I make a, a list of goals and they could be little goals. Like today I'm going to make a bologna sandwich. I'm going to do it on my own, or I'm going to go outside and, you know, play basketball or play catch with my daughter, you know, just little things. And every day that I marked one of those off, I'm like, if I can do that little thing, I can do this big thing. Mm -hmm. And so staying positive for me is, you know, setting those goals, but also taking time for myself and learning that it's okay to fail. It's okay to take a step back and say, you know what, today I can't, I can't do that today. I'm not, you know, making these big jumps today, but I can sit here and watch a movie with my daughter and enjoy this time with her. And one of the things that keeps me positive is just, like I said before, that second chance and that extra time at life because I could have easily not walked away from that car accident, you know. And just to be given the second chance, I'm just thankful that, you know, obviously someone out there was looking out for me because, you know, I got that opportunity. And I just want to share that light with other people and maybe help them along their journey too. Right. 
And also, it's like you said that um, something I can relate where it's like you feel like there's this big task. Well, you can't do it today, but maybe another day. Exactly. And like, um, I don't know if, if this is the same way for you as a musician, but like some songs I'll learn on the keyboard, I just can't get the hang of it this at night. And I'm sitting there and I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I go to bed, I wake up the next day. Mm. And it just happens. It's perfect. Yes. Does that happen with you too? All the time. Yes. And that's another thing is like life, you know, music has so much to go in, in with life lessons too. Well, I love music so much because what was really cool was I actually didn't learn to play the keyboard until after my accident. Wow. Really? Yes. So I always played the guitar. That was like my, you know, my instrument that I just grew up playing, you know, and I love to sing and all that. But after my accident, I couldn't lift the guitar for a while. So I wasn't able to play it and, you know, right. shred on it like I used to. So I actually, and this all happened at the height of COVID, which made it even worse because when I was at the hospital, like I wasn't even allowed to have visitors for like eight weeks. So I was literally by myself except for hospital staff, like mm. all day, every day. So anyways, I ended up getting this keyboard and I'm like, I can sit down and play that, <laughs> you know? And so that was really cool. I actually learned and then I found an online class and then I went here last semester at U of A, I took a piano class here. So that's how I really got proficient um, with the keyboard and the piano. So that was just a little bit of information. I learned that to play after my disability. And I thought that was like the coolest thing because I'm like, you know, now I can go out and play gigs again. And in July, we actually did a fundraiser for the disability community. And when I was going to the national pageant and my band, it's called, I have a band actually, it's called Riddick and the Ramblers. Really? Yeah, I, I sing and play keyboard in that. And anyways, we put on a whole like three hour set and I'm like, that was the first one I had done, so it was really exciting. That's awesome. It was really cool. That's, do you play here in Fayetteville a lot? So um, I've been asked to play in Fayetteville. Mm -hmm. I actually played in Bentonville. I don't know if you've ever heard of this little place called Levi's, but there's a, like a gastro pub I played at there. Um, I played a lot in Siloam, too. They have a, this place called the Park House. Mm -hmm. So it's an um, indoor-outdoor venue. We do that. But I'm hopefully maybe get some more gigs around here. That'd yeah, be fun. I need to come check some of those out. That's yeah. It'd be fun. Just join us. We'll yeah. make a big old band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Uh, one of the things I just realized from what you just said is um, just your gratitude uh, has really just inspired me from what you just talked about. And I feel like it, it's helped your attitude, which has helped like, open up so many opportunities for, for you, whether it's uh, with uh, wheel, Wheelchair Miss America or put playing in the band or wh whatever it is. And uh, I love how you talk about that, just that second chance of life. And oh, so many people yeah. listening uh, can apply that to their life because uh, people listening, like maybe you think there's stuff in your life that's going wrong, but I know Cassie would and me – and Cade can tell you that although wh whatever you have in your life that's going wrong, instead of focusing on that, focus on wait, what, what do you have? Because that, that'll help how you look at everything in life. Mm. Oh, I love I love how you said that. I, th I think that's so great because, you know, and in, in having being humble, too, and just humbling yourself to the situation, maybe it's not the best situation. Maybe it's not what you expected. But you know what? There is light at the end of the tunnel as long as you keep your light burning inside. Yeah. And like you said, if it's with music, if it's with sports, if it's with um you know, whatever you like to do, just find peace in that and, and use that to the best of your ability and, and let your light shine however that needs to be. Exactly. And it, it doesn't matter um, 
how many people are around you in a day or whatever it is. What does matter, though, is that the people around you are impacted in a positive way because this life is, is so short, and you never know what can happen around you or what could possibly happen to you, but what you can't control is your attitude in every situation and how you make others feel because everyone in life has the chance. You can, you can be a taker and make your life about yourself, but the reality is you're, you're probably not going to be that, be that happy. Or you can make the chance to be a giver. And as Cassie knows, when you make the chance to be a giver, you'll find a joy and a happiness that you didn't even know you had. Oh, yeah. And you can overcome so many obstacles by just giving that little bit of extra effort. And I like what you said. You know, you're talking about, like, relying on others in community and stuff. Like, go to your friends, go to your family. And, you know, if you're having a hard day or if you're suffering with negativity, you know, find an outlet to express that. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to be like, hey, I'm frustrated. Today I couldn't get my wheelchair in the door or, you know, whatever. But it's it's okay. And it's good to have friends around um, that understand your situation. And, and that gives you positivity too, just by having friends and family around and, and relying on them and them relying on you because maybe you made their day just as much as they made yours. Exactly. You know, one of the worst things we can do in life is uh, when we're going through a hard time, go through it by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's never good. <laughs> it's always good to have a great support group. I, I know uh, when I start losing my sight, and even at times today, my toughest days is usually when I'm not around people. Oh, Just yeah. being around people helps so yes. much. Like this summer. All these guys were gone. Will was gone. Oh, All gosh. my friends were gone. It was just me and my work schedule. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was definitely rough, you know. Um, so it's its always better to have your group. It's hard when you're isolated like that, too, yes. when you're used to having friends yes. and family around. Oh, man. It's like you're in your own little, this place turns into a ghost town during the summer, you know. It's it like really does. 99% of Texas that's here it just leaves. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> pack up. No. Yeah, back up and go, back down to yeah. Dallas. Oh, man. Um, one, of the, one of the questions we ask everybody, maybe not everyone, but I, from, from what I've noticed, most of everyone, is going about your day-to-day what what drives you, or as, as Will likes to say, what's your why? What what drives you to to keep going? You know, to maybe to maybe get rolled to the bottom of the hill and say, hey, I'm gonna go back up and I'm gonna go to my class. I don't care if I'm late. Like, what is what is that? Definitely, my daughter. I'd have to say. Just because I want to show her that no matter what happens, you can get through it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I survived was to be here for her, you know. And just the way that she has taken this all in. And, I mean, because she knew how I was before and after my accident, you know. So it's been hard on her, too. But she's the why behind my why because I think about, you know, I'm doing this for her. I'm doing this to get my education, to get a better career, to better our lives. And, I guess, you know, definitely family. And then another thing is just, like, having the the courage to do so because I want to help others. Like, I want to take a tragedy and turn it into a triumph. Mm. Yeah. So that's I really awesome. think about that. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. And what would you say is one of the best differences you've saw in yourself from before this happened to now? 
Oh, man, that's a good question. Well, you know what's funny is before I had my accident, when I had a really tough test or something at school, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, I cannot study another second. Like, I hate this and I hate that. And I would just be so negative. After my accident, I was like, wow, that test was freaking easy. (laughs) Like, that wasn't that bad, you know. Um, But I just really have a better appreciation for the little things because they matter just as much as the big things. Like, hey, you know what? I got to be on that test. That was the best B I ever had. You know, it means more. So and I can relate fully to that before I lost my sight. If I was going to if I knew I was going to face adversity or if I was facing adversity, I'd probably just be negative. I remember after I lost my sight, my high school football coach still let me play football. And I remember. One of my favorite things about football was those early morning workouts because instead of thinking I have to go do them, I was like, now this is like my second opportunity at life. I get to go to these workouts. Yeah. yeah. Every, almost everything in my life yeah. now is like, man, I get to do this. This, right. this is awesome. Because your coach could have easily been like, ah, man, Will, you uh, can't see anymore. You yeah. can't be on the team. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a really good point. I like that. Yeah, I love that. And it really goes back to everything like – um, just knowing, like, I get to do this and just having a different uh, appreciation for life. There's a quote I, I love by one of my favorite college football coaches, Dabo Sweeney, coach of Clemson, where he said, um, people gain more gratitude in life when their appreciation for what they get to do is greater than their expectation for how they should do. Like, like your example with the grade on a test. Um, just being thankful that you get, get to do that is goes a long way. I love that, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's just one of those things, like I was talking about before, like the little accomplishments mean so much more, you know. I didn't realize that, I I don't want to say I took advantage of the situation before, like, oh, I can walk from A to B without having to get in my wheelchair and, you know, or I can drive this car. You know, I I just think about those things and I'm like, wow, like I have so much more appreciation Mm. for people for myself and just for the fact that I get to be here to live another day, to, to help another person, to see another, to see another morning, you know, and I have this bucket list. So this is going to sound really crazy, but after my accident, I made this bucket list of things that I wanted to do. U of A was on one of them. I made that happen, mm. you know, and I wanted to do all these things. And every every month I check off something on that list, and now I'm going to have to make a new list. So it's like, you know, I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. That put, put skydiving on that new one. I'll, I'll take a skydiving. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're a pilot. Yeah. Oh, Siloam <laughs> has a great skydiving. Like Yeah, I hear there. them a lot. So I do I do fly skydivers every now and then. It just depends on the weekend. But um, but I hear them up also when we're talking to ATC. So we're all we're both jumping at the same time. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that. Put yeah. that on the bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. I would love that. <laughs> That, that's a real testament, too, to when you write things down. Like, you feel more accountable that you have to do it. And, yes. And it's just been so cool because uh, I'm sure whatever you said you are going to go to Arkansas, I'm sure there's a lot of people around you that are like, oh, you really think you should be doing this? <laughs> but yeah. then you're just like saying, you know what? I believe I'm going to do this, so I am going to do this. And now you're doing it and you're striving. Yeah. Well, what was even even more awesome is like when I was talking about meeting Professor Brady, I actually wrote an essay and I won a scholarship on top of it. So not only did I get to go to U of A, like my first semester out, I get this scholarship and I'm like, wow, where did that come from? You know, I didn't know I was a writer. I didn't know I had that in me. But I think it just comes down to believing in yourself and believing, Mm. you know, that you can do it um, no matter what that 
takes, you know. So you yeah. so D1 believer. Yeah. I like it. Yep. <laughs> it's like um, uh, Co- Coach Sweeney, I'm going to refer to him again, coach for Clemson, whenever they won the national championship a few years ago, he said, we didn't outperform them, we outbelieved them. Oh, and wow. I was like, that can re- relate to your life, too. And uh, and what, what I love is through this adversity you've been through, I'm sure there's still days where you get so aggravated, but you're not just going through it, you're growing through it. And yeah. what, what are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned and are still learning? Wow. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned is just having empathy and understanding the other side of the coin for other people. So like before when I was an able-bodied person, like I was talking about the parking spot, I didn't think about how much work it is for someone to try to get, you know, medical equipment like a wheelchair in and out of a car. Like, and I feel like now I have really tried to put those selfish needs and selfish wants aside and think about the community as a whole. Like, what can I do to help not only them, but myself and make it easier for everybody? So that that's one of the things I've kind of noticed. And then um, what was the second part to the question? Um, what, what are some lessons that you're still learning? Still learning. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, just, you know, navigating this new lifestyle for sure. Um, you know, being a single mom and being a, a, a full-time college student, I'm really having to adapt and learn. And, you know, I thought it was hard before. Now it's like I have to give 200% where I gave 100%, you know. But one of the things that I really like to, to say is even on the worst of the worst of the worst days, I think about my worst day, which is the day of the accident, and I'm like, it is not as bad as that. I've been through worse, and I can get through this too. Yeah. So. That, that is some amazing perspective right there. Yeah, it is. And, it, yeah, anyone – in their life can take that with them and re- realize that when you have the right perspective, it'll just help you move every single day to places that you really didn't think you could go, but just realizing like when you're looking in the right direction and realizing that with a positive attitude, there's a reason that when you're in a car, your windshield is bigger than your rear view mirror because the best is always yet to come. Oh, yeah. So what's really cool, that reminded me of something that I wrote in that essay for that scholarship. So there was, we were talking about um, situations in our life and like what we could do to change the community or whatever. Well, I decided I had this idea for something called Wheel Warriors. And it's like getting people to understand like people in wheelchairs, like as a group, we're strong too, you know? But yeah, as a wheel warrior, you like go out there and fight those battles and like you don't have to be in a wheelchair to be a wheel warrior, you know? Yeah. Just like band together. So that was one of the things when you said that reminded me of that essay. And that was one of the things I thought about as a community, like let's band together as a community and help each other. So. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things to me too. And it's like, that's one of the reasons I fell in love with aviation was the community. It's a very tight knit community of, you know, you have your professional people, you have your corporate and your ag and all, you know, there's a million different routes, but it's all this tight knit community. There are obviously a few who are excluded from that, <laughs> but, but yes, I, I am big on the sense of community. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Community is key with any, any stage of life or wherever you're at and just, having people that you can walk through life and they can keep you accountable but also encourage you when you, when you need encouragement because that, that is key. And moving forward in your life, I know we talked a little bit about goals, but um, what, what are some things that you, you want to 
do uh, with your life moving forward, whether it's a book or what, whatever it is? Oh, wow. Well, a couple of things. Um, one of my dreams now is to become a motivational speaker. I would love to be able to travel the country or the world and just tell my story and talk about how I overcame and what I'm, you know, that you can still live a normal and full life no matter what your situation or your disability or, you know, what kind of stressors you have at home, like figuring out a way to do that. So that's one of my goals and one of the things I really want to strive for. Um, obviously, you know, just changing some of these, there's a lot of I don't want to get too much into law and stuff, but like being an attorney for civil rights, like the ADA, like having more accessibility and fighting for those rights. I'd love to do that. Um, and two more things, write a book. I actually started a few chapters. I thought like that would be cool. I, I was thinking you might have already started because yeah. I, I could tell you're a good writer. With some of the <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you get a scholarship off an essay, I'm expecting <laughs> <Yeah>. a book. <laughs> I, I was shocked when I won that, but I, I didn't know I had that in me. But one of the things I really want to do, and you're probably going to, you'll relate to this. I would love to put an album out there and like music, like mm. a song, you know, album, you know, musical kind yeah. of thing. So. I don't know. I have a lot of dreams and aspirations. If they come true, I don't know. But I think it's definitely possible. So It's always good to have dreams and aspirations. <laughs> I think it's very important. I, I'm, I'm a big dreamer myself, and so is Will. Yep. You know, we're Love all... That. That's nice to have three three big dreamers all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you believe it uh, then, and write down, then it, it, it can happen. Um, as you've already proved, I mean, with the adversity you face, not relying on your situation, but relying on... You know, if I believe I'm going to do it and put one foot in front of the other, no matter how bad the odds look, I can do it, no matter what. And there's going to be so many people listening to this podcast today that are going through something that's tough in their life, and um, they're going to how their situation looks for hope, or they're going to that bad diagnosis, or they just feel stuck, like they can't rise above whatever their storm is. What's a message you would have for someone that doesn't feel like they, they have hope right now? I would say just never give up, even when it looks really dark and bleak. For instance, a little story time really quickly. So when I was in the hospital, when I got off the ventilator, they had to give me what's called a trach. So it's this tube they put in your throat, and I, they told me I would never talk again. I'd be reliant on this, and I would have no communication. Well... I remember one day they came in and my lungs, like I had collapsed lungs too, mm. so I couldn't breathe on my own or anything. Well, I got strong enough to get off that and get off the ventilator and then they took this trach out and I'm thinking, I am too much of a talker. There is no way I'm gonna not be able to talk the rest right. of my life. So the speech therapist came in one day and they had this purple thing and it looked like a kazoo. Y'all know what a kazoo looks yeah. like? One of those little instrument yeah. things. And she's like, okay, you'll have to use this. And, and I just shook my head like, I'm not using that. You're not going to make me use that. And anyways, um, I didn't. But what I did do is I got on my phone and I started calling friends and family. And I would just be like, hello, this is Cassie. And I would say that my name over and over and over until finally words came out. And the next day that the speech therapist came back and she was like, you don't need this. You really don't need this. And two weeks later, I got to go home and I was talking by then. And now not only am I talking, I'm singing in a band. So it's possible yeah. Yeah. man that's amazing it's <laughs> yeah. crazy how god works in those oh, for ways sure. it is insane to see how he can you know bring something out of nothing and and you know as as dark as um you know your kid passing is to see him be able to use her her physical 
body towards someone else's life, you know. Um, it's I, I love those stories. I love those stories. I don't I, obviously I don't love the original part of it, but the, the second mm-hmm. half is always, you know, there's always a storm, but there's always a clearing right behind it. And sometimes it's hard to see that silver lining, but it is amazing when you get to see it. Well, and what's really cool is so after um, we donated her heart, you know, her heart, eyes, and tendons, I actually have been starting a nonprofit for her called Violet's Victory, and we help out other um, people that are in need or who have lost a child or who are going through transplant. And it really, um, you know, it really encourages like organ donation and supporting these families that are going through these heart transplants or whatever type it is. So I kind of started that and. Um, um, I'm really proud of it. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's and awesome. it, it it reminds me of uh, a Bible verse in Galatians six verse nine, which says, "Don't grow weary of doing good, because at the proper time you'll reap a harvest when you do not give up." Uh-huh. Because so many people listen to this today. In some aspect or another, you might feel like quitting, but when you keep going, you're not always gonna see your harvest like that, or it might take a while, but you never know how it can change your life and so many people that come across you by just keep going every day. And we cannot thank you enough for being on with us today, Cassie. Yeah, thank you. It has been an absolute honor and a pleasure. I know there's so many people listening to this today that uh, are just going to be impacted in uh, such a big way and two big things i've taken away from you is just um first your infectious attitude and really comes back to um the only disability in life is a bad attitude and then second um how you really exemplify um, what it means to be a giver not a taker and everyone listening um to this today remember that as you go throughout your week that Make your life about someone else, and you'll find more hope in your own life. Because when you do come up against challenges that are harder than anything you could imagine, but you realize that, okay, this is happening, but through this, I can still help someone else, you'll realize that you can always find hope. And we can't thank everyone enough for tuning into this podcast. And I encourage you, share this with as many people as you can, because so many people need to hear Cassie's story. And you can catch the Rise Above podcast on any social media platform, where it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or YouTube, or any platform you listen to podcasts on. And know that as you're going throughout your week th- this week, no matter the storm, when you surround yourself with the right things, you can always rise above the storm. Yeah. We can't wait to catch you guys next week. Hey, guys. Me and Will will be back next week, Wednesday at noon Central Time. Me and Will together. And we will be once again, as we usually talk about, um, even though the storm comes your way, listen in. You can learn how to rise above. Thanks, guys. See See you. See you.